refugees in your own nation. What a shame. Leaving your motherland with just no fault of yours is disgusting. Just when fanatics takes over and want to rule everyone with their one belief system of a particular faith and religion. Just when you know that you either will have to convert into their faith or be ready to die a dog's death, leaving your female members, mother, sisters, wife, aunt, daughters into their houses. When you have been left with only option to run away and save you and your family lives. You run and migrate. How can that feeling be? Just horrible. Horrible. When you become refugees, strangers in your own country. Now listen to this. Broken borders. The untold story of refugees and migrants during India's 1947 partition and late 80s and early 90s. Namaste and welcome to the podcast, Fitness Fuel Tanks. Hello, my name is Birendra Singh Negi and I'm your host. I've been in the corporate world for over two decades in various sectors. I'm a corporate mentor, an investor, a tracker and an author. Today is our episode number nine of season two which is on the migrants or refugees. Every week we come up with a new episode on the topics which touch, inspire and bring value in our lives. Welcome to this journey and thank you so much for listening. Today I'm going to share about these three migrant stories which will literally give you chills. So hold on your breath. In the story, the names are changed to protect the identities of the people. The partition of India in 1947 led to the migration of millions of people across the newly drawn border between India and Pakistan. This resulted in widespread violence and displacement and the Sindhis, Sikhs, Hindus most affected from the turmoil. People from Sindh, Kashmir and Punjab faced the brunt of it. The partition of India in 1947 led to one of the largest migrations in history with millions of people forced to flee their homes and become refugees. Many people from Punjab, Sindh and Kashmir were affected by this and it was a traumatic experience for them. Similarly, in the late 1980s, the Kashmiri pundits who were the minority in the Kashmir Valley faced violence and persecution which forced many of them to flee their homes and become refugees in their own country. The plight of refugees is a serious issue and it is essential to provide them with the necessary support and assistance to help them rebuild their lives. Government and international organizations must work together to address the root causes of displacement and provide humanitarian aids to the refugees. Sindh, which is now a province in Pakistan, was part of a British India in 1947. The majority of the population in Sindh at the time were Hindus, with Muslim being a significant minority. 
when Pakistan was formed as a separate Muslim majority country, many Hindus felt insecure and decided to leave for India. In addition to the communal tensions, the lack of economic opportunities and political representations for Sindhis, Punjabis in Pakistan further contribute to their decision to migrate. The migration of these millions of people was marked by violence and hardship. Families had to leave behind their homes, businesses and possessions and travel on foot or by train to India. They faced attacks by mobs and women were particularly vulnerable to sexual violence. Many people who died were injured during their journey due to lack of food, water and medical assistance. The Sindhis and Punjabi communities continue to remember the pain and trauma of 1947 migrations, which has had a lasting impact on their lives and culture. Few of them who migrated to India have since returned to Pakistan, but the memories of displacement and loss continue to shape their experience and perceptions. Similarly, the Kashmiri migrants in India have a unique story. They are the people who were forced to leave their homes in Jammu Kashmir due to conflict and violence in the region constantly. Most of these migrants are Hindus and Sikhs and they left the Kashmir Valley in the late 1980s and early 1990s when militancy and insurgency were at their peak. I have grown up listening to these stories and they applied while I was in school. The Indian government provided these migrants with relief and rehabilitation packages including financial assistance, housing and education. The government also created special employment schemes for them and reserved jobs in the government sector. The migrants were given refugees status and have been living in the various parts of India since then. Despite the support from the Indian government, the Kashmiri migrants faced numerous challenges in their daily lives. They often face discrimination and prejudice from the local population and their social and economical integration remains a challenge. Many of them are still struggling to find decent jobs and housing and their children face difficulties in accessing quality education. Now bringing few real life stories here, pick these from humans of Bombay. These stories will literally give you chills, so hold on to your breath. It was December 10, 2022, on International Migrant Day, we bring you these stories of migration. Stories filled with despair and hopelessness, where people still hold on to the last glimmer of the hope. Story number one. Of everything that I lost during the partition, losing Dalbir Bhaiya stung the most. I was four when the partition was announced. Dalbir Bhaiya must have been nine. He was my favorite cousin and the best elder brother. He always shared his chocolates with me, picked me on his team for Gili Danda, a traditional game in villages which are even now played in remote villages in India and its subcontinent, and saved me from Biji and her flying chapels. His koti, a big house or a bungalow, was next to ours. So during partitions, when Papaji asked me to pack my bags to leave, I ran to check on Dalbir Bhaiya. But he was not home. In fact, 
no one was at home. I kept looking for him until the last minute. Even on the way to station, I jumped from the horse, only to be yelled at by Papaji. We took two days to reach Amritsar. After we migrants reached the camp, I looked for him everywhere, but Dalbir Bhaiya was nowhere to be found. Still, I didn't lose hope. I knew one day I would hear him say, Oh, Amir, where is I kept looking. Eventually, we settled in Uttarakhand. Papa started doing kheti, agriculture farming, and when I turned 15, I joined him. A decade had passed. There was no information on Bhaiya. So I started asking around in the community. Once I overheard a relative talk about Bhaiya's mother. So I got in touch with them and went to address they gave me. But I narrowly missed Bhaiya by a week. No one had any idea about where he went. I was heartbroken again. I came back home and started my search from scratch once again. The years melted into decades, seven to be precise. In those 70 years, I became grandfather to five, but the only constant was my search for Bhaiya. I would look upon the partition database and even travel back to Pakistan, but nothing. I was on the verge of giving up when three years ago, I was interviewed by the partition archives. There I spoke about Bhaiya, how I lost him and just how much I missed him. The interview went live in the evening and the next morning I had few missed calls from the same number. When I called back, a man on the other side, Oh Amir, kaisa hai? I was shocked. It was Dalbir Bhaiya. His grandson had seen the interview and got in touch with the team. I could not believe my ears and could barely form words. We decided to meet a week later in Delhi. The moment I saw Bhaiya, I hugged him and burst into tears. He said, Finally you found me. Bhaiya told me how his mamaji, metal aunt, came to rescue his family that night. He didn't have the time to inform me, but he thought about me every day. I kept welling up during the entire conversation. We went a week together and before I turned, Bhaiya, brother, made a promise. Ab kabhi alag nahi honge. We will never be away from each other now onwards. In these, in these two seventy-two years, nothing has changed. Bhaiya still takes me in his team when we play games online. And whenever I'm late for a function, Bhaiya uses the same tone as he did when we were kids and says, Oh Amir, where gaya? Oh brother, where have we been left? And that's the first story. The second story is from Kashmir. Our ancestral home was at the banks of Jhelum in Habakalal, Kashmir. But I never saw it because when Ma was pregnant with me, my family had to uproot their life and leave Kashmir 
in January of 1990. I grew up hearing stories of vandalism and massacre. In 1986, the first announcement was made. Ye mulk hamara hai. You either stay here and die or run. No one took it seriously. We were Kashmiris. Why would we leave? But over the years, the threats turned into violence. Once, when Ma was on her way to the temple, she was stopped by a man who pointed at her Dehizur earrings, the sign of Hindu married woman, and said, remove these and leave, varna anjam achha nahi hoga. Ma never wore her Dehizur in public again after that day. Soon after, we started receiving chits that read, you are on the our list, leave now or regret later. Soon after, we started receiving chits that read, you are on our list, leave now or regret later. And the worst part was that it was not just the extremist. From vendors to our neighbors, everyone gave us the cold shoulder. Before long, Shooting and bomb blasts became a usual sighting. Many Kashmiri Pandit's families started fleeing. But even before we could entertain the thought, Dadadi said, our business, saffron lands, everything was here. But one day, in the January of 1990, on the grocery run, Ma saw one of our friends being shot in the head. When she yelled in fear, she was spotted too. She ran for her life and somehow made it home. That night, with one backpack, Dada, Dadi, Nani, Papa, my sisters, and a heavily pregnant Ma left Kashmir as migrants. Ma tells me that right before they got into the truck, they saw their house blow up. They would narrowly escape death. The next morning, the seven of them made it to Jammu. That's where I was born. A few months later, Papa got posted to Pune and we all moved there. From a four-story bungalow that oversaw Jhelum, we came down to one-room quarter. We started from zero. Dadaji felt a heart attack after we moved and Nani fell into depression. They both passed away a few years. But... They never got over what had happened. No one has. In 2008, we took up a trip to Kashmir. Again, Ma left her Dezur earrings behind. I remember us cutting our trip short by two days because being a tourist in their homelands was overwhelming for Ma and Papa. Sadly, there's a story of every Kashmiri Pandit today. Still, we did good. My sisters and I got the best of educations and we are doing well. Last year, my husband and I visited Kashmir. I saw a house or well, what was left of it. And while we f- I feared coming clean about my identity, there were some who just knew, who offered me an apology and said, Aapke saath galat hua hai. It's been injustice happened to you. Sometimes I wonder whose fault it was. Was it the government who didn't intervene or the extremists who were blinded by hate? Regardless, it's who we suffered. 
And although it's been over three decades since we've driven out of our homes, it still feels like we are in indefinite exile. The third story. I was 18 years old when Jawaharlal Nehru came to Sindh and announced the petition. We had no idea that one of the decisions was going to change our lives and the future of our country. One day we were living life normally and the next day there were riots everywhere in Karachi. People were being set on fire, houses were destroyed, women were being raped, there was an uproar of anger and I remember feeling so scared. This place was my home. But now, every second I stayed, I feared what could happen to me. Every nook and corner had people barging into houses and taking innocent lives. Even then, I didn't want to leave my motherland, but I had no choice. The entire Sindhi community left Pakistan to go to India. We took trains to cross over and were put in refugee camps when we arrived, but it was horrific. The camps were overpopulated with migrants and facilities were very few. Even the toilets for women didn't have any doors. We had to sleep on the ground where insects would keep biting us and leave us in pain. The food we were given had all kind of rubbish in it, which made it impossible to eat. The nightmares of those nights still live me even today. How we had to be the ones bearing a burden we didn't ask for. Finally, I managed to get my mother and my wife out of there. In some time, we secured our passage to Mumbai. I still remember we had to buy a pass from a pawn shop to enter the city. But the day we entered Mumbai was the day that things started to look up again. Through a few relatives, we found a small house to stay in and I found a job. That's how we sustained and got back on our feet. Today, I'm 88 years old, but I shudder each time I think about how just like me, there were so many others who lost the entire foundation of their lives during the petition, and we had to rebuild it brick by brick. So even though that day, two nations became free for it to happen, it took the sacrifice of hundreds of millions. The Indian government has made efforts to address the issue faced by the Kashmiri migrants. It has announced new schemes and initiatives to provide them with better living conditions, education and job opportunities. How much more needs to be done to ensure that they are able to live in a dignified life and integrate into the mainstream Indian society? Overall, the story of Kashmiri migrants in India highlights the challenges faced by refugees and displaced persons, even in a country with a secular and democratic government. It also underscores the importance of government support and community solidarity in ensuring the welfare of protection of such vulnerable groups. The recent developments in Jammu and Kashmir by the government is to be appreciated. However, a lot more needs to be still done. I have a few of my close friends who are Sindhis, Punjabis and Kashmiris, who with their families had faced it all and are living with those scars from the past and the recent past. And when I hear from them, every time I feel the pain 
and just feel helpless at that point time how challenging and horrendous tales they have there in the real life stories which is still feel like happened yesterday all of them are brilliant smart intelligent people who have picked up their life from where they were broken cut looted plundered and murdered they were settled across the globe however the pain of being away from their motherland still haunts them every now and then however at the same time a ray of hope is there in their eyes that one day they will be able to be there at their motherland and travel safely and continue their relationship with their native once again from where they have cut off what i do whenever i meet people from families who had been this, to this turmoil of the partition or refugees i make it a point to listen them fully into their world i ensure that i am in their world and being along with them completely not to make them or anyone wrong just being what is so and what possibility can we create from here and now for the present and the future the possibility of being one spreading love and togetherness now each one of us can each one of us at least relate with them their pain with the suffering which they have been through let's create together a society a community where we can create we can bridge the differences shun the hatred and be together to recreate and rebuild the new life here again the podcast fitness fuel tenx is sponsored by darwin platform group who are committed to their contribution in the area of expertise to various business sectors thank you so much for your trust and confidence in our mentorship programs to our corporate professionals and organizations we offer a holistic based approach ensuring transformation in all five groupings of fitness covering mental physical spiritual social and financial habits we have a one to one coaching for professionals and a custom designed program for organizational transformation our hilmile retreat expeditions are unique exploring nature testing the individual flexibility fitness and endurance levels for professionals you can subscribe now to the fitness fuel 10x wherever you got the podcast from what is your biggest takeaway from today's episode if you like something from today's episode do share with your friends and family you can also share it on linkedin facebook youtube twitter or instagram at bilmanegri 10x thank you so much the upcoming book fit365 which talks about fitness aspect of the holistic way of life will be available on amazon flipkart and kindle editions i'll see you in the next episode with an exciting inspirational story so till then go out and do something amazing do it now can we promise to touch move and inspire at least one people today take care and have a great time cheers